actress Catherine Heigl, a passionate animal advocate who has saved over 16,000 dogs, says she's been seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. She believes there's a link between canine health and diet. After extensive research, she developed Superfood Complete, a dog food pack with over 30 wholesome ingredients, including superfoods beneficial for your furry friend. Superfood Complete isn't just about deliciousness, though dogs love the taste. It's about supporting overall well-being. In addition to providing a healthy option for your pet, Badlands Ranch, the maker of Superfood Complete, also supports the Jason DeBus Heigl Foundation, which helps rescue countless dogs and find them loving homes. Dogs across America are trying this food and loving it. Go to BadlandsRanch.com slash MC901 and order right now to get up to 50% off your regular priced order with a 90-day money-back guarantee. If you want your dog to experience all these incredible things, go to BadlandsRanch.com slash MC901 today. A day in the life of a 911 dispatcher can be filled with just about anything you can think of. It's a roller coaster from start to finish. One morning you can go in there and sit down and not take a single call for the first 15 or 20 minutes you get there. The next morning you can almost immediately sit down and someone has woke up and found their spouse dead. Or there's some beef going on between spouses and one of them stabbed each other. Or there's a random shooting on the street somewhere early 6.30 a.m. It happens all the time. But there's a lot of calls that come in, and they're absolutely nothing special about them. They're just very normal calls. You answer questions. Not all these are on 911. Most agencies, they take 911 calls and the non-emergency calls. Today, we're going to have a, a wide range of calls. We're going to have some non-emergency calls. A couple of them I took myself. We're also going to have some very high-stress emergency calls, and a couple others that are kind of mixed in the middle of it. We're going to start off with one that is, in the big scheme of things, kind of a more boring call. This is the majority of what we take, though. It's just questions, or it's something that's non-life-threatening, just something that's a question coming in from a, a citizen on how to do something or something along that lines. This first call is one that I actually took. There's not too much special about the call. The only thing standard to retract in Nashville is the telephone number. I'm going to take a little step further and probably drop out a, a little bit of the, the street name, things like that. That way, the location is not actually out there. So there's going to be a couple kind of sliced parts of the call, but you'll kind of figure it out. Nashville Police Fire and Medical. Good afternoon. With whom am I speaking, please? This is Police Dispatch Hall. Hello, Police Dispatch Hall. What is your ID number, please? 2252. 2252. Thank you. Um, I'm actually calling to report, I think, a stolen vehicle. Um, it's a red My address is 611 Street, that 37207-5812, District 5. I'm calling about a vehicle. It's a red pickup truck Chevrolet. It's an older model type of red pickup truck Chevrolet, and I can go out and get has not moved in more than three weeks. And it looks like it doesn't belong to anybody over here either. And it looks like the it's got a lot of trash and stuff in it, like boxes from appliance stores and stuff like that. So I don't know if it's been used in a robbery and they've taken the stuff out or they put it in. But I'd like an officer here to check it, please. 
Is it in your driveway or in the street? I'm sorry? Is it in your driveway or on the street? No, 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 no. It's literally on the street, parked in front of townhouses, and the two townhouses are 614 and 616. The back of the bed of the truck is at the stair rail uh, for 616, and the front of the truck is right at the rail uh, steps for 614. So, and so those are connected units. So That's you're at 611, but it's closer to 614. Well, it's diagonally across the street from my single-family dwelling, detached, which, yes, diagonally across the street. Directly across the street from 609, 607, kind of at the driveway of 607. And do that, does that, those all share the same zip code as well? Everything is 37207-5812. South of Arrington, further south of Cleveland, north of Marina, M-A-R-I-N-A. Okay. okay, I will send somebody out that way to check to see if it is stolen. Wonderful. And if they would, when they come, I'd like to speak with them, please. And you're at 611? I'm at 611. They can come to the side driveway door, not the front door. Side door. Okay, I will let them know. Yes. Thank you so much, Officer Hall. Have a blessed day. You do the same. Bye-bye. What I found kind of remarkable about this call was that the level of detail that this, this lady had, she had everything laid out. She knew exact addresses for her own house, the houses adjacent to hers across the street, every little thing. She had uh, every little detail about the car, the vehicle. She even knew the, the extra four digits on their, her own zip code and the, the surrounding zip code of everyone there and which voting district it sounded like also. So there was a lot to that. I, uh, that's something that I really don't experience. So that's what kind of made it stand out to me. But it was very detailed, a very a very thought out call uh, on her end, and it it does make it when you have details like that coming from a caller, it makes it very very much easier to get the the call entered, get it sent out, and know exactly what we are looking for when we get out there. In this case, there was no stolen car. The car was not stolen, the one that she was talking about. The the truck in question was not stolen. It was not using any robberies. It turned out that it was likely parked there by a friend of someone across the street, and there is legal street parking. This was a speculation on the officer's part, but apparently there's been some sort of a, not necessarily a feud, but uh, she doesn't like having cars parked out in front of her house. So even if they're across the street, they're apparently an eyesore or something along that lines. I'm not exactly sure. You know, that was just some of the information that was entered the call. And I can't remember his exact wording, but it was somewhere along that lines. But that's some of the calls that we get. There's just really nothing much to that. But I do enjoy when we get a call like this one from this woman who is, like I said, very detailed. Everything about the call from start to finish was very easy. You know, so I didn't do very much actual talking in this call because she was given all the info I needed. If we could have every 911 caller or even non-emergency caller call in and give us information like this, it would make everything a lot easier. The next call we have is something a little bit more close to, to me just because, as I've said in previous episodes, on the side I do Uber and Lyft, like rideshare type drives. And most of the time I'm doing it in the, you know, kind of late night. I, th- I think it's a little bit more fun. It's it's after my work shift. So if I wanted to go out and drive for a little while, it's it's fine. If I want to go out on my weekend or something along that lines, you know, on a Friday or Saturday night, I can do that, stay out a little bit later. 
and you know it's it's actually pretty fun those uh, the drunk folk in nashville the ones that come here for, on vacation they can be a lot of fun uh, just they have a little too much too much drink they get loud they get a little bit rowdy sometimes and it's just it's a good time for everybody including me as the driver sometimes though there are riders who are not quite as as fun they're they they're not out looking for a good time they're maybe looking for to cause trouble in this case i'm not exactly sure what the problem was uh, i mean they've laid it out but it just seems like the driver got caught kind of in the middle of it and there's a couple calls this is from up in the oregon area and uh, i'll give you a little bit more details about it afterwards but i'll go ahead and play the there's calls from both the the rider and the driver so i'll get both of those going 911 what's your emergency uh, well, I got a Lyft driver that decided he would just drop me off at a solar station and he wants me to get out, and I'm not getting out of the car and the dog at a solar station. Not happening. All because I asked him to put the window up, but I'm not leaving. He says I have to get out of his car, or he's calling the police, so I decided to call for him. Okay. I mean, technically it's his property, and you have a civil agreement. There's no crimes involved. Uh, well, he said he was calling the cops. I told him I, he's not going to leave me. On it's not a crime to call the cops. Well, I mean, I could have the officer. What was that? I said uh, I am not going to allow him to leave me on the side of the road. I paid for I paid for a ride, and okay. uh, he canceled it. He says he canceled it. Canceled. So I'm just going to sit here until he sends me another ride. I can't send you a ride. You have only to you can you only you can order another ride. This this is not a police issue that I will hang up, but I'm not getting out of this car in the dark. Do you have a next? So. Do you understand? Do you understand that only you can order another ride? Well, I didn't cancel the ride. He canceled the ride. That's right. Which is his obligation as a human being on the face of the earth to cancel a contract like that. It's not a crime. Uh, well, That's and it's not part of your user license license agreement when you accept taking rides with strangers. Uh, so uh, I can have an officer come out, but they're not going to be able to make him stay there. Well, I mean, he can't go anywhere because I'm not moving until another car comes. So, all right. Okay. I just to so I can have officers come out. Where are you? Uh, uh, I don't know where I am. I'm, I'm, I'm at a you're at the Chevron on I on on I. Yeah, I never know where he he, he is. The Chevron. I'm not. Apparently, I'm at the Chevron. Not at In what city? Uh, uh, in Richfield. What's your name? My name is Joanne Hottesty. All right, well, officers come out. All right, thank you. Bye-bye. So we did get a lot from that call. You kind of get a, we get kind of a sense of what was going on out there. So from what it sounds like is this person was picked up. She is, you know, have uh, had some sort of a disagreement with the driver and he asked her to get out of the car. Initially, she says on the side of the road, and it turns out they're at a Chevron station, a brightly lit, very well-populated area, so it's not like he's asking her to get on the side of a dark road or anything like that. But the 911 operator on, the, on this, he's absolutely right. He states that it is it is the driver's car. He can ask the person to get out. So absolutely, he can do that. He can cancel the ride. It's just like if I had a business and I didn't like the, the way that the transaction was going, I can ask you to leave the business. 
There's nothing against the law with that. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just a business transaction. That's all it is. That's what was happening here. She didn't like that. And I mean, I, I hate to say it, it's too bad. That's just the way it is. If he wants her out of the car, he can do that. One of the things that, uh, didn't mention about this, her, her name is Joanne Hardesty, just like she said in the call. And she is the city commissioner of Portland. So she is, uh, higher up individual in that city. She is a public official and there's some more details about this call. I'll get to after the, the other half of the party goes and I'll go ahead and play that part now. 911, what's the address of your emergency? Uh, well, let me see if I can tell you here. I'm at the Chevron station on the I-5 Ridge Shield exit. Okay. I don't, I can't see the address where I am, but... I'm showing that at 5801 Pioneer Street. If it's right on the freeway, it's literally on the freeway of I-5. Yes. Ridge Field. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Pioneer, right? I believe it's Pioneer. I'm not from here. Okay. Can you just verify your phone number for me in case we get disconnected? I sure can. Thank you. And what's your name? My name is Richmond Frost, F-R-O-S-T. Okay. Tell me exactly what happened. Well, I've got a customer that I canceled the ride. I'm a ride fare driver, and I canceled the ride, and I've taken her off the freeway to the filling station so that she can order another ride. I canceled the ride so she's no longer, you know, involved or engaged with me. She's refusing to get out of my car. Okay. So I just need somebody to tell her she can't. She's happy to get another ride. She can. She can perfectly do that. Yeah. Get another driver, but she's refusing to do that. And she's in your car now. Are you in there with her? Yeah. I'm just sitting in my front seat. She's in the back seat. I can okay. step out of the vehicle if you'd like me to do that. Oh no, no, no. That's okay. Um, and she's already called us. Is that right? Yeah, she called. Okay. Yeah, uh, we do have a call entered, and uh, Richfield police officer is dispatched to the call as of right now. Unless they get diverted for another emergency or whatnot, they um, should be coming to you. Does she have any weapons or anything like that on her? I doubt it. Okay. Richmond, how do you spell your last name? Frost, F-R-O-S-T. Oh, Frost. Okay, I heard it wrong. And um, say your phone number for me one more time. I apologize. I just am adding your information into her call instead of creating a new one. Yeah, no, it's no problem. Okay. Do you know her name? I think she said it was Joanne. Okay. And that's what I think I had on my phone. Okay. All right, and she hasn't been violent or anything like that, right? No, she's just refusing to get out of the car. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, Have you had any contact with someone that has or has thought to have coronavirus? I'm not going to aware of. Okay. And then any flu or COVID-like symptoms? Uh, no. Okay. All right. Uh, looks like they are driving there to you now. If anything changes before they get there, I want you to give us a call back, okay? Okay. Thank you very much, officer. Yeah. Thank you. Bye-bye. Let me start out by saying that neither one of these calls should have been called on 911. These were not life-threatening emergencies. There was nothing going on that had anybody in any immediate danger, nothing like that at all. This was a simple dispute. They should Neither one of them should have called 911. Now, with that being said, you have to understand, too, that the majority of the calls we get on 911 
are exactly like this. They're not life-threatening. That's why we try to preach, every agency across America tries to preach that 911 is only for life-threatening emergencies. Now, I've mentioned stuff like this in the past. Can you imagine if one of your loved ones, your child, your husband, your wife, your mother, father, grandparents, whoever, is having an actual real life-threatening emergency and they can't get through because some person won't get out of a Lyft or an Uber. Help won't be started because someone is refusing to get out of an Uber. Asinine. Please, if you're listening to this, only call 911 if someone is about to die or there's a chance that someone might die. Now, getting back to this actual incident, some of the stuff I'm going to read here is straight from the actual news article that went over it on Oregon Live, uh, exactly the Oregonian newspaper, their online newspaper anyway. So as I said before, this was the Portland City Commissioner, Joanne Hardesty. She ordered a ride share. doesn't say if it was a Lyft or Uber. It doesn't really matter. But she ordered one of those at a local casino, I'm guessing right over the state line in Washington. I'm not exactly sure where all this stuff is. I'm not from the Pacific Northwest, so I'm not really familiar with all this. But it was a more of a local casino in Washington, and she apparently got upset because there was a mix-up about where she was actually waiting for the car. And uh, there was a couple other small things with it, as you heard in the first one. There's something about uh, keeping the windows open for ventilation. That is a kind of a new thing for Uber and Lyft. They want you to have constant airflow through the car. Some drivers do, some drivers don't. They highly encourage it. But still, it's it's something they wish you to do. And also, it doesn't really matter if he had the windows all the way up or all the way down or one of them up or all four of them up. It doesn't matter. It's his car still. If he doesn't want her in the car, he doesn't have to have her in the car. But at the same time, you have to think, he's out there to make money. He's not out there to randomly pick people to kick out of his vehicle. It just doesn't work that way. If he doesn't take the ride, he's not going to make any money off of it. Simple as that. Hardesty apparently said that uh, she was angry and uh, or that the driver was angry and was blaming her for the incorrect pickup location. The driver, I'll tell you as a driver right now, we have no bearing, absolutely zero bearing on where the pickup location is really originally sent to us. At most, we can call them afterwards, especially if it's a bigger place. I imagine this is a casino. It's probably a big place. We've got a couple of you know, huge places here in Nashville, big malls, hotels, things like that, that they could be at several different locations. So we may call and actually ask them where they're at or can we pick them up at a different location or if it's, if it's more convenient for them, just confirm. There's a lot of different vari- variables there, but regardless, we still have to go to them. It's not like you know we can just sit, on, sit out in a parking lot and say, I'm in the blue car, walk towards me. That doesn't work that way. We have to go and pick them up. They're asking for a, a ride. Now, in the interview that the driver of this, his name is Richmond Frost. He's a Lyft and Uber driver. He's been doing this for four years, it says. And he's given over 18,000 rides. This is someone who's been doing this probably full time for the past four years. 18,000 rides is a lot of rides. So he says that he didn't actually realize that it was uh, that she was a politician of any sort until the, the ride was all over. He's now kind of concerned about the publicity and how it could affect his affect his license with Lyft. And he also says that she was not a pleasant person. 
This has nothing to do with her political position as a Portland council person. He just says, I'm out here doing my job. She was very disrespectful to me and made me uh, feel uncomfortable. And I don't, I don't feel like I have to sit in a car for anyone to have uh, them argue and be rude and abusive, tell me what I have to do in my own vehicle, which he's right. Now, it does say in the article that he apparently took this trip. It was uh, a long pickup. It's, for me, typically... Anything over 10 minutes, I usually decline if it's more than 10 minutes away because there's no guarantee that you're going to actually have a a long ride at that point. You could drive 10 minutes to pick up somebody and it'll be a, a two-minute ride, so you only make a couple bucks off of it, and that's not worth it. But if you know where you're going to, uh, and sometimes if you have, I'm guessing like this guy here, he kind of knows exactly where he's going to or around that when he gets the, the ping for the ride, essentially. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure he probably knew it was going up the casino and the location of this is pretty, pretty close. I guess I, I won't say like it's real close. The location is decently close to, uh, Portland, but it seems like it's far enough out that if you were to take a ride from there, it's going to be guaranteed to be at least 25, 30 minutes to get back in to Portland area, which means that. He might make a decent amount of money off that ride. It might be worth it for him to drive. There'd be maybe an hour round trip for him. So it, it, it might be worth that extra time. It says he was just finishing a drop off in Vancouver when this happened. So if it was 25 minutes north of Vancouver, which is a kind of a suburb of uh, Portland, it, like I said, it could be worth it. But after he picked up uh, the commissioner, she started asking for him to roll his windows up. And as I've said before, that's a new policy with Lyft. You're not really supposed to. The reason for that is because you're in a car. I'm not sure what kind of car he had. He, he could have had a minivan. He could have had a regular car. It doesn't really matter. It's not really possible to sit more than six feet away from each other and you're in an enclosed space. You need to have some air circulation. That's the reason for it. It's for this whole uh, coronavirus deal. So he did roll his windows up just a little bit and still had them crack just a sliver to only promote air circulation and he said it's for my safety and for your safety but he says that apparently that was like pouring gas on a fire and she demanded that I close the window right now she was kind of ballistic at that point and then he pulled uh, onto interstate uh, 5 going southbound as I said probably back towards Portland but decided to take the next exit when he said that Harsty uh, wouldn't let up in his demanding of uh, closing the windows and he said also from the same article, so I made the decision it would be in the best interest for both of us to cancel the ride. He took the first exit south of Richfield where this casino was. He spotted a Chevron station, which is a big gas station to the west of the freeway and pulled in there. She didn't want to get out of the car, as she said in the, the call, saying that she didn't want to be tossed out on the side of the road in a dark space in the middle of the night or something along that lines. And he said, it's, it's lit up like a football field. It's safe. It's warm. You could order another Lyft or Uber, whatever you, you want to do. And I can be done. I can get on with my work, that type thing. And she demanded that, no, you're either going to take me back to the casino or you're going to take me to my destination. At that point, he had already canceled the ride. So there's no starting the ride back up. It doesn't happen that way. It doesn't really matter to me if it was happening to me right there. If I've, uh, in the whole time that I've done these rides like this, I think I've only canceled one or two like this. After I cancel, I'm already to a point. I'm not going to 
I'm, I'm not going to accept any more rides from this person. It's just not going to happen. So he pulled close to the front door of the gas station and she wouldn't get out. She did state that she, you know, paid for the ride and everything, which she did. I'm, I'm not going to dispute that at all, but the, the ride is not a, a set price up front. It's dependent on, upon a few things. If it takes longer, if it's a, if you have to get detoured, something along that lines, it can change the actual amount of the price. It's variable. So in this case, it was a much shorter ride. I'm, I don't even know. I don't have a clue as to how much the, the price of the ride was, but just say that it was a, a $25 ride. At this point, when he canceled it, it probably knocked that down to maybe 4 or $5 just because she went such a short distance with it. She was not charged the full price of the ride for that, I'm sure. And as both the 911 dispatcher and he said, she is the one that has to order the next ride. He can't provide her with one. He can't do anything like that at all. She has to do the ride herself. So that was on her. Finally, she did do it. And apparently when the police got there, she was already stepping out of the vehicle and jumping into the next one. So at least there was no violence and there's nothing like that. Uh, nothing bad happened. It was just, uh, you know, big misunderstanding, but it does kind of shine light on her as a commissioner and also just kind of the, just kind of the climate of things in that area, Portland, as we've seen in the news here lately, they've been, you know, occupied by protests and riots and all kinds of stuff there for the past several months off and on. And as far as I know, it continues to go on today, but she's the, the commissioner from what I've read here and done the little bit of research and everything that goes along with this. She is actually, um, one of the overseers of the police department there. She has tried to work to shift money away from the Portland police budget and uh, is apparently trying to find some sort of alternatives to relieve uh, police of handling of certain calls. Uh, she also see, uh, oversees the emergency dispatch system, which, again, brings in another uh, thing with the, with the 911 operators and how they handle these calls. I'm not saying anything will happen to this, and I'm hoping that because this is a spotlight thing that maybe on their end, they'll be fine with it and she'll just kind of let it die away, that type of thing. I don't know, though. Some people can hold a vendetta over their, you know, the head of the person that has nothing to do with this. The 911 operator in this is just kind of a innocent third party. They had nothing to do with this at all. But it could have some repercussions. I hope it doesn't for the 911 operator and just for everyone involved in general. This is a simple misunderstanding, uh, disagreement. It was handled. It's done. I hope it just fades away, the whole thing. So the next call I'm going to get into tonight is a, a pretty serious offense. I don't know how else to say it. It can affect every single one of us out there. I said it's very serious, and I'm very serious about that. It's called delaying the mail <laughs> even though it's it's a small thing all right i'm i'm trying to make light out of this even though it is a small thing it is something that that can you know harm and it, it, it is a crime so i don't want to try to make this out like it's a small thing it is something i i help somebody out with this is another one of the calls that i took but i, I do think it's a little funny the the, the level of detail again kind of kind of like the first caller but this one is a a different realm 
the detail and the amount of questions that are involved with this and everything else. It, it's you just have to hear it, you know. And the nine one one dispatchers out there that hear this, I'm sure you've dealt with something like this before. That's really all I can say about it. Nashville Police Fire and Medical. Uh, yes, good morning. My name is Masai Dispatchless with the United States Postal Service. How are you this morning? All right, how about yourself? Uh, good. Sorry to bother you this morning. Um, um, and my reason for the call is because we got a lot of parking over on Ackland, where the Ackland Post Office is located. Mm-hmm. And and the supervisor uh, from transportation sent me uh, quite a few pictures here, and it's showing where uh, the signage. Uh, it's got a sign posted valet parking, but it's got a circle with a P around it, like it's crossed out. And then underneath of it, it's got claim your car at this number. How do we? Uh, what's the process we are to take to have people towed? I mean, if, if if they're actually out on the street, you just call us. If they're parked illegally, we'll come out there and ticket and or tow them. If they're actually in okay, the parking so lot, though, you just call any tow, tow service you want, and that's it. Okay, so they're, they're on the street. Do not just call the non-emergency number and have them, and you all have somebody come out and start towing? Exactly, yes. Because it's actually delaying the mail, and, and we don't want our tractor or either, you know, our trucks striking the vehicles that's, you know, parked on the street. Yeah. Okay, so all right, so I'll give the transportation this non-emergency number to call, and um, that's what I go. Is there anything that's in writing in the process that perhaps I can pass out to the uh, supervisors? No, not necessarily. I mean, it's it's just as simple as you know, if a car is parked in no parking zone. I mean, that's that's what's going to end up being. So if a police officer goes out there and and sees that it is in fact parked in no parking zone, then you know, like I said, they'll issue a ticket and or tow it depending on what type of uh, no parking zone it is. If it's just simply in a, you know, kind of a weird spot in the street or something like that, they probably wouldn't tow it. they just ticket it for, you know, a day or two, and then they tow it if it's still there. But if it's blocking something, blocking, you know, a, a traffic or uh, alleyway or entrance or something like that, they, they probably tow it at that point. Yeah, because we, you know, you know sometimes our truck has to swing out, you know, to get in, get in the parking lot. Yeah, and we don't. And, and basically, it's called delaying the mail, and we don't want to delay the mail. Yeah, because they on a certain time frame trying to get from point A to point B. And when they can't do that, then they got to stop and try to, I guess, find someone, or got to go back inside and get somebody, to, you know, the ground guide them to try to get out there, keep from striking a stationary object. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I'll just let them know that uh, call the non emergency number, and you all will assist them from there. All right. That'll that'll work. Okay, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. All right, bye-bye. As I said, we take all kinds of calls. This one is one of those. Just a normal call, nothing special about it, nothing stand out. There's nobody getting killed. There's no one, you know, getting hurt or maimed, anything like that. Nothing at all. This is the type of call, and this is actually the majority of the calls that we, we take there. It's just a non-emergency police call. People asking questions. People checking on things. That's what this is. So when I say, you know, it's, it's not a big deal. There's a lot of this happening. It's not something that's life threatening or anything like that, but it happens and it happens every single day. It happens all over in every jurisdiction and every neighborhood everywhere in America. Stuff like this happens every single day. So it's very easy for a 911 dispatcher or just somebody in general to kind of 
poke fun at a, a normal thing like this, it's still a very serious thing. This, these people that are parking there, you know, they, they are, they're impeding the mail, they're delaying the mail, that type thing. And, you know, when they, they have deadlines, it's, it's the same thing as if someone was parking in the back alley and they're blocking away for a delivery truck, they can park somewhere else. The area that they're talking about there, there are a thousand public parking spots all around this place. They can park anywhere. I mean, just about anywhere in this, this entire neighborhood they can park, but because they don't want to do that, because it's going to add 20 steps to their, their walk to wherever they're going to, they want to park there on the side of the road where it's a no parking zone. Just park somewhere else. Come on. I mean, we're, we're adults. We should be past this, this, you know, level of entitlement that, oh, I'm just park wherever I want to. It's going to take the police forever to get over here. You know, if you keep on doing that, I hope that your car gets towed. I hope you come back out from whatever errand you're running and your car's gone when it's, it's, you know, been towed by the police. I hope there's an officer there waiting with a ticket book and you say, well, what happened to my car? It's parked there illegally. Now it's gone. Come on. Just don't park there. Park somewhere else. Don't delay the mail. The next call we have is also a pretty routine call. Although I wish that all of our calls were as normal sounding and as polite. And I mean, I I can't even go into like the level of this call. This is amazing. This is a sample call from a 911 dispatch up in Calgary and our neighbors to the north up in Canada. Everyone up there, I believe, uh, it, it's probably not the case, but the the kind of notion that we have down here in America is that everyone in Canada, they are the most polite people in the world, and this is no different at all. The, <laughs> I listen to this, and I, I, even though it's a 911 call, it, it may be something completely fake. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure of the level of this. I don't know if this is something put on by the actual service itself or if this is a an actual real call and they're just using it as an example. But these people are so polite, even on 911. I mean, it's it's incredible. So I'm going to go ahead and play it. It's, it's just, it puts a smile on my face. 911 for what city? Uh, for Calgary. And you require the police... Fire ambulance. Um, I need an ambulance, please. Okay, what's the address of the emergency? My address is um, uh, 3507 35th Street, and that's in northeast Calgary. Okay, can you just repeat that for verification, please? Yeah, uh, 3507 35th Street, and that's northeast. Okay, what's the phone number you're calling from? I'm calling from 403-555-1212. Okay, tell me exactly what happened. Um, my dad was working on a ladder, and then he fell off. Okay. Are you with the patient now? No, he's out in the backyard. Okay. How old is he? Um, he's 48. Is he awake? Um, yep, he is. Is he breathing? Um, yes, he is. Okay, the ambulance is on the way. I'm going to ask you a few more questions. Okay. How far did he fall? Um, he fell to the ground. Okay, you said he was on a ladder? Yeah, he was on a ladder. Okay, do you know how far he was? Oh, yeah, he's on four four rings up, or those rung things. Okay. He was just cleaning out the gutters, so he wasn't that high up. Okay, and what caused the fall? 
Oh, he said he was reaching too far, and then the ladder just kind of tipped from underneath him. Okay. Is there any serious bleeding? Nope. No, not at all. Is he completely alert? Yeah, he's able to talk to me. Okay. What part of the body was injured? Um, he said he hurt his hip, and his, his legs also sore. Okay. When did this happen? Um, just like a minute before I called you. Okay. And is he still on the floor, on yeah. the ground? Yeah, he is. Okay. Now I'm sending the paramedics to help you now, so stay on the line, and I'll tell you exactly what to do next. Okay. So don't move your dad unless he's in danger, mm -hmm. and don't splint any injuries. Okay. All right. Just reassure him that help is on the way. Okay. Hey, Dad. Paramedics are coming. Okay. All right, don't let your dad have anything to eat or drink. Uh -huh. It might make him sick or cause problems for the doctor. Okay. Don't move him unless it's absolutely necessary. And just have him be still and wait for help to arrive. Okay, I can, I can do that. Okay. A few more instructions before I let you go. Okay. I do want you to watch him very closely. Mm -hmm. If he does become less awake and vomits, quickly turn him on his side. All right. Okay, and if you could please put away any family pets. Oh, okay. I got a dog in the backyard, so I'll okay. do that. Okay. Gather your dad's medications. Mm -hmm. And is your dad in the front or the back? He's in the backyard. In the backyard? Yeah. Okay. Now unlock any doors, the gates or anything, or the front door to okay. access to him. Sure. And if you could turn on your outside light, please. Oh, okay. I can do that. Okay, and if there's somebody there to watch out for the paramedics. Yeah, my little brother's here. I'll send him out. Okay. Now, if your dad gets worse in any way, you call us back immediately for further instructions. So, as I said, the most polite call I think I've ever heard of anybody. Like, even the ones I played that was that were from me here in Nashville that had every bit of the, the thought uh, of the call. It, it was all thought out. The call from Canada, I just, I can't even imagine. If, if every call up there is like that, I mean, they, they may as well work at a Hallmark store selling gift cards and, uh, you know, birthday cards and small trinkets to people who actually want them. That's, it's just amazing. And I'm still, I'm, I'm sitting here right now with a smile on my face just because of how polite and how nice everyone on that call was. And this is somebody who fell off of a ladder. Like I said, I'm not sure if this is a real call. I, I think it's probably something they just use for training. So uh, that that's all I can think of. It's, it's likely not an actual real call. But if it is, oh my God, it's hilarious and just way too much. If it is a training call and that's it, good. I mean, at least it's very you know thoughtful and... Uh, it, it's, it's one of those things where they can hear everything that's going on. I mean, truth be told in the big scheme of things, I hope it is just a, uh, it's just a, a training call, that type thing, but it, it may not be, it might be a real call. I don't want somebody's dad to fall off a ladder and hurt himself and need to go to the hospital, but you know, things like that do happen. But as I said, I, I do think it's probably going to be a training call. And on that same note, one of the training calls that I remember when I was going through training, this is something they played for everybody. There's some speculation on this call, whether it's real or whether it's not. The way it was presented to me was that it's a real call. I uh, will just play it. And kind of like I said at the start of the show, 
We've had a wide range of different types of calls on the show tonight. Some non-emergency, some of them uh, a little bit more tense than others, which not really that tense. This one may be one of the most tense calls you ever hear. I've talked to people after hearing this call, and it's they've told me that it makes the hair on the back of their neck stand up. It does. It's a funky call. This is a very old call that came from probably the 90s. There's no exact date on when it happened or anything like that. But because of that, the audio quality is not that great. It's kind of hard to hear some of it. This was played for me when I was a brand new, almost going to be a dispatcher, just going through training in class, hadn't taken a call one. But it's, as I said, it's it's pretty bad call. Extra discretion on this call. If you don't want to get scared, please just go ahead and turn this off right now. What's the problem, ma'am? Oh, there's some guy been uh, taking the place out. Well, he went in the back. I have an apartment in the back, and he said he was looking for a guy. And he comes to my door. And said he's uh, looking for an apartment. So I'm, I live alone, and I'm an old lady. As I said, this call was used for training purposes for me and a lot of other classes that just it, the call was passed around to multiple agencies to use to be used as as a training measure. For my place, I mean they they did it for one specific reason. You listen to that call and the thing that stands out, you know, the thing that they ask all these dispatchers when they're going in, these new dispatchers, the ones still in training. They say, what was the main thing? What was the number one thing that was done wrong in that call? Think about it for yourself for a minute. As you listen to that call, what was the thing that stood out to you that did or did not happen? Something that was wrong in the call. The call taker never asked for the address. They never asked for the address. So with this call, the way it was presented to us, and as I said, there's speculation as to whether this is a real call or not. I don't know. I've, I've looked into it a little bit, but because it happened so long ago, there's very few records of, of anything being in existence. A lot of people say it's a fake call. Listening to it, you people heard the exact same thing I did. It sounded real. If, if that was fake, that's some of the best acting I've ever heard. But the way it was presented to me was this person was calling about a suspicious person that was out back at their place. And while on the phone with the call taker, this person broke into the house. That's why you kept hearing little pauses. This elderly lady was hearing all this going on. And then she started screaming because she was being stabbed to death. And this was before there was any type of location type thing on 911 calls. This uh, early on in the 911 system, if this happened in the 90s or even the late 80s, 
because there's still some speculation as to when did I actually happen to. If it happened back then, a lot of places did not have a 911 system that actually brought up the address. So without the address, they had nothing to go to. They had to search, go through, and from what I heard in training, said it actually delayed these people making it out to the victim's house by almost two hours. If you're a 911 dispatcher and you have a call like this, even though it may be rude to cut somebody off, get the address. Get the address first. You never know when something like this is going to happen. This has probably happened again since then. It'll probably happen again past now. Just get the address. Try to prevent something like this from happening again. So as I said before, this, just like any day at 911, this episode was a roller coaster. It had its highs. It had its definite lows. That's a day in the life of a 911 dispatcher. And we do this every day. That's what I've been telling you guys for the whole time I've been doing this show. You 911 dispatchers out there know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not bullshitting. I'm serious about this. This is what we do every single day. We'll have the bad calls like this. We'll have a good call. We'll have mundane calls. It just happens. It's the way it is. But that's about going to do it for the calls tonight. If you like the show, go ahead and leave us a review on Apple Reviews or the Spotify page, anything like that. Anywhere that's got a review that you're listening through, go ahead and drop us a review. Also, be sure to share it with your friends, family, anybody else who might like a show like this. That's a good way to keep the show growing. Also, follow us on our social media pages, Facebook, at Music City 911 Pod. And also look us up on the discussion page, Music City 911 Podcast Discussion. And then on Instagram and Twitter, at Music City 911. Follow us there. And consider donating to the show to help everything keep going over at Patreon.com. Patreon.com slash Music City 911. And for Music City 911, I'm Brandon Hall. Y'all have a good one.